come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The podcast from outer space. Welcome back to the podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got Billy the Kid in the studio. Yeehaw, what's going on, gentlemen? And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Aloha, everybody. And this is episode 112, where we will be discussing Melonheads. Uh, Yes, New Year. Welcome to 2023, everybody. And we, for our first episode of the year, are getting into, as Rob said, the Melonheads. Now, this one came about from our uh, Flatwoods Monster episode last year. Episode 102, if you want to check that one out. And uh, in the research for that, I start seeing these legends, these tales of melon heads popping up. You know, melon heads, melon heads, melon heads. Uh, I keep seeing this term. So I'm thinking this could make for a good episode. Uh, now, with this one, we got some more folk tales, tall tales, wives' tales, whatever you want to call it. Old wives' tales or just wives? Uh, old wives. Or is it wise? I believe it's wives. Uh, whatever you want to call it. It's wives possibly bullshit according to rob our skeptic in the field uh, but let's get into the melon heads is that any relation to lemon heads uh i do think some people call them <laughs> lemon heads but it's not isn't there a band called the melon heads and a band uh, called lemon heads mm, i don't know that doesn't that. sound <laughs> okay, familiar right. i swear to god all right anyways uh well, blind, right, right blind off. Me- you thinking of Blind Melon, dude? No, 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 no. Not Blind Melon. I swear <laughs> to God, there's a Melon Heads fan. Anyways. That's um, what their fans are called. <laughs> <all> right. <laughs> right off the rip. Uh, now, this was a few states north of where we grew up, but ha- have either of you heard of this tale at all? Uh, what do we got on Melon Heads? Yeah, so uh, I think I heard about it a while back. What I heard was like it was like in Ohio or something, and... There were people, reports of people seeing, you know, these weird humanoid people with like giant heads, like randomly running around in the woods and stuff. And because you lived yeah. in Ohio, didn't you? For a sh- no, my my dad is from Ohio. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I never lived there, but Thank that's God. pretty much all I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Chappelle's new stomping grounds. Where were you in that in that one band, um, Weather Star? Weren't you up up north that way? It was northeast Connecticut. Oh, so did you hear anything of the Connecticut tales? No. Okay. No, I never I never heard anything when I was up there. Okay. So just a kind of a cursory overview. Yeah, exactly. Uh just the gist of the tale. All right. Rob, what about you? Honestly never heard of it until we uh started getting this outline going. Yeah, I had really never heard of it myself until, like I said, I was doing the Flatwoods episode. Um, so for those not aware, uh, Melonheads are a folk tale or folklore out of Ohio, Michigan, and Connecticut. Now, those are northeastern, more or less, states up up here in the U.S. for all you international listener, listeners out there, because I know we have quite a bit. Um now, basically, the Melonheads legend varies in each state, uh, but if we're taking broad strokes here, they are described as, Billy said, 
small humanoids with bulbous heads, basically looking like a goddamn light bulb on their head. Uh, now, they occasionally pop out of hiding places, uh, most commonly a local wooded area to attack people. Now, typically, the legend also includes a long, lonesome, spooky road and some sort of abandoned asylum or old decrepit house linked to the creature's origins. Are these dwarfs? So, I believe they're kids, you know? Uh, And I mean, we'll get into it. I mean, come on, Rob. We'll get into that a little (coughs) bit later, as we always do. Now, different variations of the legend have different origins of these uh, entities. And from what I could find, Tales of Melonheads began... um, Tales of Melonheads being spotted began to spread around Holland, Michigan. Now, that's like the southeast part of the state. Uh, But the origins... Of the Connecticut version, sometimes are traced back to colonial times. So, if true, you could argue that Connecticut is where these little guys originated. You know, big if true. Yes, yes. Uh, now, I, now I get the Ohio, Michigan origins because those states border each other. Um, but I did, I did think it was interesting that Connecticut was thrown in there because that's basically two states over, more or less. Uh, and even the towns in Ohio and Michigan, where these seem to originate, they're pretty far apart. You know, it's not like they're right on the border or anything. Maybe um, they got a melon tunnel. That hey, that is. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if it connects all the states, but uh, melon tunnel, I believe, is in one of the legends. Now it's their route to the uh, Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, now in this episode, we are going to take a look at the history of these legends out of each state, get into some possible origins and theories as to what the hell is up with these melon heads. Now, disclaimer, guys, right up top. Uh, this one, pretty hard to find information on. You know, a lot of the research for this comes strictly from message boards, forums, blogs off the internet. Uh, I, I think I found like one other podcast on this, but it was only about the Michigan melon heads. Um, there was also an episode of Monsters and Mysteries in America, season two, episode 11, although not the best episode. Honestly, we could have put together a better episode than that. They start talking about a little overview of the legends out of the north, and then they they bring up like eyewitnesses from Naples, Florida, seeing these fucking things. Wait, they're down in Florida. <laughs> <too? laughs> so, <laughs> but I looked up the Naples, Florida, and I couldn't find anything. Um, like I said, bad episode. I wouldn't recommend. Um, I did find one good book though. I don't know how reliable it is. This could be like my sexual alien encounters book, where the guy is <laughs> quoting like Wikipedia and stuff. Um, Jesus Christ! But it did seem to have a good amount of info, and it and it tracked with other stuff that I was finding. And as always the case, you know, I wasn't really finding a lot of academic literature, we'll say. And you won't. Uh, Yeah, but I I did go down a few different rabbit holes with this one that tie into some good old fucked up American history. And I have included that a little bit later in this episode. Um, So without further ado, let's get into these legends. Now, we'll start off with Michigan. You know, as we said... Although the Melonhead legend extends to Ohio and Connecticut, uh, the legend seems to have started in Michigan. Now, that's everything I could find. So 
take that as you will. You know, maybe these other legends developed from the Michigan one, or maybe Michigan is just proud of their melonhead folklore and they want to claim the origin. Um, you know, I couldn't really find any definitive facts that that say it originated in or in um, Michigan. Um, now, with the Michigan legend, the story seems to be that a hospital in the area of Sagatuck, Michigan, about 11 miles south of Holland, was treating hydrocephalic children. Now, that is uh, accumulation of fluid in the brain, you know, derogatory term would be waterhead. You guys familiar? What? No, I have not don't heard, think of I've heard of that. You guys Sounds have never terrifying, a, though. You guys have never heard of a waterhead? Like a, no. a kid born with a big head, it's a mental retardation. Um, mm. I can't believe you guys have never heard of this. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, right. truly. I'd... <laughs> I, where have you heard about that besides doing research? I think it was also, uh, dude, it was a bit in... Um, Old waterhead. I don't, don't want to get into this. All right. I don't like calling hydrocephalic children waterheads, okay? I'm not a proponent of it. I think it's... You just said it. Yeah, I said it was derogatory. Okay, <laughs> it's <laughs> fucked up, dude. I'm again. I'm not. I'm not for making fun of the disabled. Any and no one is. All right. Any whom. So there's this hospital. So this hospital's forced to close, and the children have nowhere to go. So they were essentially released. <laughs> released. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just I, into the woods. <laughs> this is the legend, dude. Hey, just... Hospitals closing down. <laughs> Time to go, guys. Yeah. All right, guys. You Time can't even walk. The, door. <laughs> the door's open. I did get a move on. It's like so fucking. Just line one of the tale <laughs> is fucking insane. Like, okay, <laughs> like closing the doors, I, I get... boys. <laughs> They set him on the front doorstep and (laughs) shut it down. Like it's a fucking dog or something. Like it's like, like, oh, um, I guess guys just have to figure out how to eat and you know, like forage for food in them. Okay, so that's fucked up, right? If that's true, that's again big if true. Now some tales, so some tales describe. Let's let's digress for a minute. Um, Some tales. Describe physical and emotional abuse suffered by the children before they were released with nowhere to go. Um, so these children obviously took to the nearby forest to find shelter and safe haven. So this is like these kids were like Robin Hoods up in the Sherwin Forest. Sherwin? <laughs> Isn't that the name? Sherwin Williams Forest? Wasn't it Sherwood Forest? Yeah. Oh, Sherwood. Yes, yes. Sherwood Forest. Okay. So how, that's what, how are they like Robin Hood? Like living in the forest, they got all the, the fucking. Um, I imagine they have some sort of like they got nothing hideout. but an accumulation of water in their head. <laughs> <laughs> they probably built shelters and hideouts. How else would they survive? Kids? Yeah, I just think it could be like teenagers. Okay. Well, um, what's hilarious too is like you know they say that they said that they release them. It's like. Sorry, guys, we don't have anywhere for you to stay. So just, you know, just uh, figure it out, you know. <laughs> well, okay. But if we're going off the second line, Check like the forest over here, if these kids were like abused and stuff, maybe they tried to escape. If? Um, yeah. 
Because it, it sounds like they're definitely getting abused. Well, there's varying legends, you know, and and let's keep going in the tale. I mean, come on, we're only two lines in here. Um, okay. Now, a lot of the stories out of Michigan, um, the legends are closely tied to Felt Mansion. Uh, now, there is a picture of the mansion in its heyday. Um, now, this was a historic three-story brick mansion in Lake Town Township, uh, which is between Holland and Sagatuck. Built in 1928, uh, this building was used as a school, a chapel, a school and a chapel and like a seminary school, I guess, at various points in its history. Uh, in 1977, the Felt Estate was purchased by the state of Michigan, which used the Felt Mansion as a state police post and converted the school building into part of the Sagatuck Dunes Correctional Facility. Uh, but the prison was eventually closed in 91. Now, from there, the Grand House basically fell into disrepair by the end of the century. And after its abandonment in, 90, in the 90s, these strange bulbous headed creatures were said to have moved in. Now, eyewitnesses have also reported encountering melon heads in the wooded areas surrounding the mansion. And one local rumor claims that melon heads were once child patients at the Junction Insane Asylum, uh, supposedly located close to Felt Mansion. Uh, but I did some more diving on this and I did find apparently Junction Insane Asylum is a complete myth. Um, like that was never a thing. Uh, but as we said, you know, there was, yeah, there was though the Michigan Dunes state correctional facility located nearby. So maybe people are just kind of combining this with the history of felt mansion. Uh, you get that all fucking incorporate. And I mean, the part of felt mansion was incorporated into the correctional facility at one point. Mm. Um, but either way. The overall legend seems to be that the children were abused at the asylum before being released into the surrounding woodland uh, when the establishment closed. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just released into the establishment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> into, no. the, into the woodland. Now, unsocialized and alone, these children obviously turned feral, living in abandoned buildings and caverns within the forest, attacking anyone who wandered into their territory. Now, the Holland Sentinel apparently published stories over the years of eyewitness accounts seeing what they referred to as weeble heads. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? What? I guess that's just a fucking like... Uh, What's a weeble? I, I don't know. I guess they just... Maybe it's, it's a fucked up northern way of saying wobble. Uh, Not the wobble? weeble heads there. Oh, that's like Canadian, right? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think it's that. Close. All right, now. So they saw... These weeble heads in the nearby woods and some stories told of a few unlucky doctors once working at the facility that met their fate at the hands of the melon heads. And these doctors remains are buried not far from the old mansion. Is that fact or fiction? That's probably fiction. I mean, these also, are, tall are tales. we just skimming over the fact that the police bought a fucking mansion to use as a post? Yeah, dude. Just, I mean, yeah, I just need this little mansion for a. Uh, police post no big deal i mean dude, we'll we'll use two it. sentinel guards here <laughs> yeah. have a we'll banquet use the here. old uh, schoolyard as the prison though not the mansion well i i, I Can't don't have know, the inmates dude. in the mansion i mean who the fuck knows i guess the state <laughs> just wanted to do something with it but i think it is it's been fixed up now felt mansion has been like fixed up and people have their weddings and shit there it's by like the all, melon heads i don't know if it's by the melon heads. i <laughs> highly doubt it 
There's a melon head priest. They moved back in and fixed it up. Yeah. Now, another theory claims, as we said, that the children once lived in the mansion itself, uh, but later retreated to a system of, here you go, Rob, underground caverns, Mm, which are a part of the mansion grounds. And the mansion is, of course, said to be haunted. Bunch of stories. Yes. Bunch of stories of kids seeing figures move past windows, curtains moving when like kids will sneak to used to sneak to this place at night. Um, They hear footsteps, all that type of shit. Um, Now, again, this is the extent of what I could find on the legend. And some of this really isn't. Okay. I don't think some of this is that far out of the realm of possibility, knowing this country's history with mental patients, especially in the 70s. And and we'll get a little deeper into this later. But, I mean, what are we thinking with the Michigan legend, Felt Mansion? Uh, Like, what are we just thinking here? Cursory overview. What do you got? Rob, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Then I'll (laughs) I'll chime in. I mean, it seems like how you said that the, you couldn't find anything on that one asylum and you think it might be like a conglomeration of stories. Right. Which is, I think, we'll see is a, is a lot of the case. I mean, it just seems to me, honestly, like urban legend type shit at yes, this point. Yes. Like, okay. oh, hey, watch out for the melon heads at yeah. the mansion. The Down this road. I mean, it is a classic, like, you know, we used to sneak but around abandoned like, houses and- Sorry. Make up stories and shit. All right, all right, go ahead. <laughs> like the fucking school, the school story that co- where the, the kids were set on fire. Huh? Remember that in Pungo? When you tried to scare Yeah, Billy? I mean, that was a complete made up tale. I don't know. I, I didn't. Yeah, but that's even a better tale than this. Okay. Fucking little kids with water in their head are going to come kill you. Yeah. I mean, well, also, I think. sound that scary. One of the things I heard. Terrifying. It. In one of the legends, mentally ill children are going to come out of the woods that they out. now inhabit hear me and out. hurt you. Hear me <laughs> out. One of the tales is that it was the ghost. Like the melon heads are strictly ghosts of the or spirits of these kids. Okay. Oh, so that like, makes sense. Which I think is a little more believable if you believe in ghosts. Like, yeah, you had these kids that were fucked up, abused at this mental asylum, probably just chained to a fucking wall, living in their own shit and fucking piss. And then Jesus. they die, and they're probably just fucking threw their body in a ditch. And then you got the bada bing, you got a fucking um, melon head ghost chasing you around. That's a little creepier, <clears throat> right? So, yeah, I- but yeah, to the whole like the whole like hospital closing, releasing them, and then them becoming feral. I don't think I'm buying. Because yeah. I mean, it's and also it's either their ghosts or what like they've just reproduced to like you know yeah. kind of like you know uh, also, what do you like, call that inbreeding inbreeding yeah or well, just fucking I guess pretty much you, you don't it's think weird. if the hospital was closing they wouldn't just take them to another hospital well yeah like, that's also yeah, like all right guys I feel like you, that would be a major fucking news story if they were like yeah a bunch of fucking hydrocephalic children were just released into the woods by this hospital well, like somebody not, would find uh, that reporting out. that well but somebody would find that out they'd be like dude what the fuck is it like where are yeah. these kids coming from all their families would be like hey little timmy how's little timmy doing and they're just like well, oh we released him into the woods yesterday sorry about well, that 
actually, if we're going back to the 70s. Well, I thought this was before <clears throat> that time. Yeah, even before that. I mean, dude, you got to think like parents of kids like that, I feel like back in those times were just like, hey, we're going to send them to this asylum to live out their lives. Like it was uh, kind of like, you know, a dark family secret. Like we're not, we don't want word of this getting around. It is fucked up as that is. I feel like that was the case with a lot of these mental patients. Like a lot of them probably didn't have families that were going to look after them, you know? That's fair, but I'm sure there would have been families, certain families maybe that like at least wanted to check right. in at on least, them. You know at what least I mean? one or like two that there. would have said, yeah, that's not everyone. So at least one right. or two would have been like, hey, you let my kid go into the woods because the hospital closed? Yeah, um, no big deal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's no. normal practice. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. All right. So we're, okay. So let's head on over to Connecticut. Um now, in the Connecticut legends, the melon heads are described as everything from a group of escaped mental patients to a lost colony of inbred mountain folk dating back to colonial times. Mountain folk. I like that. Yeah. Hillbillies. Um, deliverance. You know, they're playing a the banjo, getting creepy. Uh, now, one legend. <laughs> so this legend from southwestern Connecticut. Now, is that anywhere near where where you were up there? southwestern part of the state no i was um in southport which is like do you, do you guys know where fairfield is it's like kind of the southern part of connecticut it's about an hour and some change north of new york city you just like take okay. 95 north straight up north of the okay. city um the so old no, 95 oh yeah gotta love it baby all right so southwestern Connecticut. Now this this legend tells about creatures that became known as melonheads who prowled along a road called Dracula Drive. Sounds like a fucking metalcore band. Yeah, that's actually a fucking Hell yeah. uh, that's a fucking great name for a road. Uh Dracula Drive. Now they were said to be the result of centuries of inbreeding practiced by a family accused of witchcraft in colonial times and forced into the wilderness. Now, as is always the case, the melon heads are known to attack humans who wander into their territory. So this one I'm thinking kind of literally becomes the plot of wrong turn. <laughs> you guys remember that movie? Great movie. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I feel I'm getting... Uh, Henry Rollins? Yeah, well, that was Wrong Turn too, but... Same thing. I mean, yeah, I'm getting those... Um, That's the vibe? Yeah, that that is the vibe here, heavily. Except um, those were, those guys could actually like probably overpower you where these are seem to be little kids. Well, no, 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 Rob. These are centuries of inbreeding mountain folk, uh, so they were probably strong as a bull. <laughs> strong as an ox. Centuries. <laughs> yeah. Strong as a bull. It goes back to colonial times, dude. They've been um, living out. They're, they're basically na like Native Americans, you know, fighting bears and shit. Well, 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 they, well. They've well. been around the bend. Okay. All right. Well, that, uh, that'll Which actually come. brothers in, and sisters. That'll come into one of our theories later. Now, this. So I found that little tale from a blog post that this guy wrote about the tale he heard when he was growing up. Now, from that same blog, this guy writes, in reality, Dracula's drive, Dracula Drive's name is Velvet Street. And Still a cool name. Yeah, that is arguably a cooler and uh, creepier name. Dracula Drive, a little too on the nose. Velvet Street, more creepy. Um, now, he says kids would go up there on a date. 
Uh, they drive up there, tell the Melonhead story on the way, stop the car, turn out the lights, knock on their own window, pretend to be scared, and hopefully scare the pants off your date. Literally, this guy says. Now he says it never worked and actual melon heads never appeared. Um, it never worked. Yeah, also not a great yeah. fucking Hey, wanna go fuck? Actually I'm just gonna scare the shit out of you. And then we can uh get down to it. Like is that working for anyone? I mean, I know kids do this kind of shit, you know, but although I feel like whenever we did this, and maybe that's just because we were losers, although you guys <laughs> had girlfriends in high school, but so did you, bitch. but you never went on a date. <laughs> do it like we would always go as buddies, like goofing off, ghost hunting, looking for weird shit. Never on a date to like get laid, going to the ghost house. I I took I took I took my ex. <laughs> okay, did it work? Uh, well, dude, that's what I took her. Remember well, you the York town going up there with the intention of banging. Also, do we want to oh, bleep no. that name out for later? <laughs> yeah actually okay all right i'll bleep sorry that can you please actually put a bleep over it? i will i will um but so you you fucked her in a ghost house no no, 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 no. <laughs> i'm sorry no, no 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 i went to this place in yorktown remember that whole story about the ghost like the we heard a, a noise in this abandoned house and it was like I, 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 I. uh Sound yeah of, i think i think you've yeah. told it on here before yeah, anyways, I won't retell it, but okay. I, I brought her back to that, you know, it was kind of like a, because we were into the ghost hunting thing, you know, all, yeah. we all were, those were some good times, but I don't but, know, man. But that's it's, what I'm saying, you didn't go there with the intention of getting laid, like No, this guy did. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. I've only done that one time, did and not work. All right, so but it was, also it wasn't my idea, it was her idea. All right, so you're tracking with this guy's story then. Well, yeah, if a chick was like, hey, let's go ghost hunting, I was like, yeah, I'm down. So you were like, uh, hey, babe, hop in my Honda Prelude. We're going to tear it on up to Velvet Street. Finger banging. <laughs> Finger banging oh on Velvet Street. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the Honda Prelude, dude. Oh, we're going to play some fucking, uh, what's that band? Um Ohio is for lovers. We're gonna play some Hawthorne Heights and ride up to Velvet Street. Well, hey, that's there. that's Ohio. We're talking about <laughs> Connecticut right, yeah. here. All right, we're talking about Connecticut. All right. Um, okay, so that was like from one blog. Now another tale. This is from Milford, also Southwest Connecticut, coastal town. A lot of milfs. Uh, maybe uh, tells of a group of giant-headed mutants who lived on the outskirts of town. Now, this was a band of inbred freaks uh, who were ready to prey on whoever was careless or unfortunate enough to wander into their land. Uh, now, other stories from Connecticut tell of a hospital or asylum, depending on who tells the story. Uh, this one in particular was for the criminally insane patients. What's that mutant movie? The, like, Toxic Avenger? Oh, yeah. Classic, dude. Trauma. That's what I'm thinking when you <laughs> yeah, said yeah. giant head mutants that yeah, live mutants. on the outskirts or of town. Or like hills have eyes, you know? So, like, um, essentially the same thing, right? Who lived yeah. on the outskirts. Okay. I just want to say one thing. like Sloth from the Goonies? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like it's funny because they're like, it's, it's specifically in Milford on the outskirts of town. So like these mutants are keeping, they have like a, they have like a territory of land. That's you know, they, they don't leave that, you know what I'm saying? Well, Hey, yeah. Outskirts I mean, of Milford can't go. I like, do, you know, 
Hey, I do have some strong theories that point to this, uh, which we'll get okay, into later. Okay. But, but if we keep going with this one, so other other stories, like we said, they tell of this hospital for the criminally insane. Now that I think criminally insane is what they called them before they had any type of real like cures in the works or like play. This is like when they would just chain them in a fucking room and let them beat their heads against the wall. I thought um, that was medieval times. Well, also uh, back in like the 50s. Yeah, dude, I'm serious. Uh, Now, in the 60s, that's when this place burned down. Thank God. uh, Resulting in the death of all of the workers and most of the patients. But a handful escaped into the woods. Allegedly. And in order to survive, they had to resort to cannibalism. Now, they also practiced inbreeding, uh, which, as we all know, led to the deformities. And bada bing. You got some melon heads, dude. <clears throat> These melon heads start being born. Now, some posit that the melon heads escaped from Fairfield Hills Hospital, uh, formerly known as Fear- Fairfield State Hospital in Newton, Connecticut, um, a now abandoned mental institution in operation from 1931 until 1995. I've been uh, there. Okay, and uh, did you hear it? So, did you hear any of these tales? This is right up your fucking alley, dude. No, I didn't hear anything about the melon heads. Um, Too busy. But we, to I get just laid. remember. Oh yeah, one hundred. <laughs> um, now I remember. I just went up there with like a friend. Uh, we were just, just walking around out. it. Yeah, and a friend. Huh? See anything creepy? No. Look- what no, kind of friend? Just walked around outside of it. So were yeah. you going to get laid? This was a female <laughs> friend. <laughs> Take her to Velvet Street. Yeah. Take her out to Fairfield Hills. Wow. wow. Yep. Um, yeah, but there, uh, I mean, this asylum does look creepy. Now, I, I would assume Must that do. Fairfield Hills is different than the one that burned down in the 60s because obviously it's still fucking standing, right? It is. Yep. It, and if to my this one still is. So this one was in operation from 31 to 95. <clears throat> Maybe they escaped. I mean, basically what I'm finding in both of these is that it wouldn't be till the 90s that these melon heads start popping around. Popping around. <laughs> Unless we're going with the inbred freak show theory. Like maybe, how are we feeling about that? The inbred freaks, like the fucking wrong turn shit. You know, like, are we buying are they all brothers and sisters in there? Well, no, no, no. This is so. I think. The, all right. See, this is where it gets confusing because you roll all these into like one legend, yeah. but the inbred freaks I think would be different because that's the family accused of witchcraft. They live on the outskirts of town, and they just—it's like that fucking X Files episode. The outskirts. Yeah, they just yeah. practice inbreeding and kind of keep to themselves as hermits, like living on um, a fucking farm or some shit. Honestly, I feel like if that was true. First of all, I mean, and we we say this about like any of the cryptids we talk about, Bigfoot. How come, why ha, why hasn't anyone gotten a clear video? I mean, yeah, there there are stuff out there like that, but it's like if they're really inbred mountain men living in the woods and that on the outskirts of Milford, Connecticut, like wouldn't we hear more about that? I feel like it's I mean, kind of more. The, it's like, not like they're gonna send the fucking paparazzi there. They're just <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking... come check out these melons. Dude, no, like... dude, they they should send the dude from that YouTube channel, uh, Soft White Underbelly. If you guys have ever seen that, oh uh, yeah, I've I have. Seen a few yeah, of those. 
Um, I don't know, man. I just it sounds like a it sounds like an urban legend, you know. Like okay, definitely. I don't really right. buy it. Now, okay, now with the um, so the these stories of the melonheads, uh, especially in Connecticut, um, they also have supposedly so in Connecticut the melonheads have also supposedly been spotted or live on the outskirts of Monroe, Stratford, Seymour, Weston, Easton, Oxford. Southbury, Fairfield, New Haven, and Trumbull. Now, all of these towns are kind of in that southwest corner of Connecticut, so it kind of seems like each one has their own little uh, spin on the legend. A lot of melon heads in Connecticut. Yeah, now, or it's the same, and the story's just being told differently. Um, now, each tale, especially in Connecticut, has a creepy road as part of the story. Uh, Zion Hill Road, for example, is uh, the Milford Legends Creepy Road. Sawmill Road is in Shelton. And in Trumbull, it's Velvet Street, a.k.a. Dracula Drive. Down on old Velvet Street. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, each of these is a narrow, twisting road through isolated woods with tons of no trespassing signs along the way. Um, So, with, I guess, like each three of these kind of elements to the story... What are we thinking about the Connecticut version? And I mean, we, I think we kind of just got into this, but I don't know. I mean, what are you guys thinking here? Maybe just uh, cautionary tales to keep kids out of private property. Okay. Okay. Very true. Because you're saying all these roads are kind of in desolate areas with no trespassing signs. Yeah. And I guess as kids, like you see that, you see movies like Wrong Turn and Deliverance and no trespassing signs kind of become creepy. And then you see that in your own town and you can kind of like make up these stories. It's like we talked about with Bloody Mary's playground folklore. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, if you look at this, like you said, Zion Hill Road is from Milford. Sawmill City Road, Shelton. Uh, Sawmill City, brother. Like, exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of... the the origination of the story sounded like it came from Michigan and maybe it just like passed word of mouth and then because it's just weird to me that it all the activity happens around roads like that just sounds like something that or insane asylum yeah what about this Fairfield Hills Hospital and that, then you have the Felt Mansion in Michigan like each one I but see these are things that are in every town across America every town has a creepy abandoned building every town has a fucking weird creepy street. I know exactly. Elbow so, Road, right, right. So for me, it's kind of I don't know. Like, what, there there needs to be like, where's the where's the meat? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay. it's just the crust. Like, so like, you need the paparazzi out here taking pictures of these inbred freaks. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Now, now, finally, we'll kick it on over to Ohio. Now, interestingly enough, although the internet claims Michigan as the origin and the tales themselves would have you believe Connecticut is the origin, as we said, going back to colonial times, I found the most information on the Ohio legends. And, uh, you know, maybe those are just like documented the best. I mean, Ohio is a pretty weird place. And I feel like uh, a lot of people document weird shit that goes on there. Um, And... It could also be that the Ohio legend had more to work with. You know, they just sort of combine different parts of each legend, 
which I think is most likely the case, as we'll see when we get into this one. Um, now, this one comes from the surrounding areas of Cleveland, Ohio, uh, one in the town of Kirtland, which is about 20 minutes northeast of Cleveland, and the other around Vermilion, uh, which is about 40 minutes west of Cleveland. So I hope I'm saying that right. Vermilion. Uh, so it's basically either side of Cleveland, these weird uh, tales develop. And as we'll see, I think they kind of get combined and, and confused and mixed in with all the Melonhead stuff. Um, so let's start off with Vermilion. Um, so in the town, there is Gore Orphanage Road, uh, which runs near Swift's Hollow. Now, Swift's Hollow takes its name from Joseph Swift, who moved there around the 1800s with his wife, and they built Rosedale Mansion, pictured here, uh, known locally as just Swift's Mansion. Now, the fam starts having bad luck upon getting this place built. Um, Two of their kids die, uh, and this Joseph guy, he makes some bad investments in the railroad industry. And so he's on the cusp of bankruptcy. He sells the mansion to this spiritualist guy named Nicholas Wilbur, uh, who I guess is like a more calmed down version of Aleister Crowley type. He's doing seances, that type of shit. Um, Now, during the Wilbur's family time living in Swift Mansion, all four of their children or grandchildren, uh, I wasn't finding clear info on that, died within six-day period from a diphtheria epidemic, uh, which I guess is like a bacterial infection. So Infected by the melon heads. <laughs> no, no, the melon heads aren't, aren't quite here yet. Uh, this is just some setup history. Now, this guy's wife dies, and shortly after, in 1901, he dies as well. House lays abandoned, and of course, tales and local gossip start flying. Now, at the tail end of 1903, the place was bought by Reverend Johann Sprunger. It's Johann. The J is silent. Uh, Johann Sprunger. Uh, And this is where the creepiness comes in. Uh, So this guy was a Lutheran minister with the idea of starting a self-sustaining Christian community. Nice. Yeah, this is class. This is a tale as old as time, right? Oh, yeah. So town. <laughs> yeah, so he's drinking the Kool-Aid, yeah. So his idea was to take in neglected, abused children, bring them up with Christian values, called the place Light and Hope Orphanage. In a place where every kid that lived there died. No, no, no. Now, once again, <laughs> uh, the r- rumor mill starts churning. Apparently, the good reverend and his wife moved there from Indiana, where they ran a more classical orphanage. Um, but caught fire, killing three small boys. Whoops, a daisy. Uh, let's just skip one town over, open up a new orphanage, start over. Um, Burn that again. one to the ground. Got the insurance <laughs> yeah. money. I was like H H Holmes again. <laughs> oh, these these were rumors, you know. But there's also rumors that the reverend's uh, wife was actually his sister. Yeah, that's uh, um, made out with your sister. So that's a little fucking creepy. And again, incest keeps coming into play in these legends, which is just fucking weird. Um, now, and yeah, you know, the reverend no likes it, you know, the reverend sister was like, hey, I'm stuck in the washing machine. 
You know? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to wash these little boys' clothes. <laughs> hey, get me out of here. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> No, who knows? You know, maybe those were just rumors, but uh, I don't know. I would say this left a bad taste in the community's mouth, but I was finding other tales that this guy, this Sprunger guy was all all like always a well uh, upstanding member of the community. Like nobody thought anything out of sorts. Uh, now from here, more tales start coming out about the Reverend, um, and how he was running the orphanage. So apparently he would buy like sick and dying animals from around town in order to cut down on food costs. Made the kids eat the diseased animals. Uh, they also Jesus cooked Christ. in the same pot that they washed their clothes in. Uh, and also disgusting. like beatings and mistreatment of the children was daily routine. Uh, now these ac- accusations came to light when several children escaped across the river to the nearby town of Vermilion uh, with these stories. Now, in 1909, an investigation was launched, and the Reverend and his wife actually admitted much of this was true. Uh, But being 1909, there was no real framework or laws on how to deal with orphanages, which it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. So these fuckers basically just got a slap on the wrist. Nice. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> that is is crazy to me that the what I mean, sheriff, law enforcement in the town is like they hear all these stories. They have eyewitnesses. These kids escape and they're like, yeah, hey, no more buying uh, sick and dead animals. But they're right? just like, I'm not seeing that in my law book on how to deal with orphanages. So uh, don't do it again. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> like that's like, gonna do anything jesus christ dude come on help these kids out here now so that's where we start getting the creepy gore orphanage road gore orphanage road has like its own creepy fucking legends tales as well um and other shit i was finding was that like these this gore orphanage wasn't even in the Swift Mansion. People, again, just mixed that in. It was another a completely different house nearby. Um, now, also some miles away in 1908, you have the Collinwood School Fire, also known as the Lakeview School Fire. Um, so this happens 1908, right when this family is kind of caught doing this shit. And this took place at the Lakeville School in Collinwood, Ohio, which is about uh, 40 miles away. A fire erupted on March 4th, 1908, killing 172 students, two teachers, one rescuer. Uh, It is one of the deadliest school disasters in United States history. Now, so we take that folklore. We've got the the uh, not folklore. I mean, we take that event. We mix it in with the tales from Gore Orphanage Road. Two years later, the Reverend died. Um, two years after that investigation, the Reverend died. The mansion basically fell into a state of disrepair, eventually being partially burned down before being demolished completely. So basically, you got tales from this Light and Hope Orphanage. They're kind of mixed in with this school fire. And then you have this whole legend of Gore Orphanage Road. Which it's like, yeah, kids died in this crazy fire at the orphanage. Uh, it's haunted. There's ghosts. Spooky, spooky stuff, right? 
Sounds pretty creepy. Okay. Now let's kick it on over to Kirtland. Um, so again, as we said, these towns, uh, Vermilion and Kirtland, are on either side of Cleveland. So Kirtland being on the other side, rural community of cabins and rolling hills with vast stretches of forest and a fairly small population of about 6,000. Um, now, Kirtland itself has a pretty creepy history, uh, fitting that it's located right near Lake Erie, right? <laughs> nice. How's that for a dad joke? Um, now, Kirtland is where cult leader Jeffrey Lundgren murdered a family and buried their bodies under the floor of a decaying barn. Jesus. Uh, there is also the nearby Gravity Hill where cars appear to roll uphill seemingly reversing the laws of physics. Uh, there's also friend of the podcast, Davis Chandler's favorite hangout crybaby bridge. Uh, this is located on Win. this is the one located on Wisner, 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 I think Wisner road uh, to sure. be exact. Now this is also apparently a phenomenon that I was unaware of and we could do like a whole creepy bridge episode, but apparently there's, a bunch of places called Crybaby Bridge all over Ohio. Uh, this one in particular, yeah, this one in <laughs> particular uh, claims a teenager became pregnant in the early 1900s under suspicious circumstances, uh, and when her father demanded she give it up for adoption, the teen took her baby and leaped from the bridge into the river. And if you stand on the bridge at midnight and chant "Crybaby." Three times, you can hear the faint cries of a child drifting through the trees. Jesus, that's dark. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah, fucking that creepy. Yeah, that really is. Um, but, you know, that's just a little setup of this town. I mean, that's a fucking, sounds like a creepy town, right? A little bit. Now, of all, of all these tales, the Melonheads seem to hold the top spot for creepiness. And the Ohio legends, probably my... I don't want to say favorite because it's so fucked up, but I guess like it's the best like urban creepy legend, you know? Um, and like I said, I found the most info on these ones. Now, local lore tells of a doctor known as Dr. Crow uh, who became fascinated with radiation and its potential to create a new species of human. Now, in oh, that some. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now it's great idea. This guy might have been like a. I think a lot of legends say he was an unlicensed doctor. So he's like Bob Lazar, the self-proclaimed physicist. Yeah, he just calls himself a doctor. Now, in some tales, the good doctor is said to have tricked orphan children into participating in his experiments. Um, And other tales, which this actually does hold some weight, tell of. Like kids would just be snatched up and go missing because the government was doing these experiments, which I kind of fucking, I don't know. I mean, that's Not like stranger surprising. things, dude. Right. And I mean, we've on our, look at our MK ultra episode, all the crazy fucked up shit. The secret government did back in this time. Uh, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility. And then you also look up documentaries like what happened to Johnny or like these weird, like the um, Franklin cover-up scandal, all these weird, like satanic politician, uh, pedophile ring type shit. I don't know, man. I mean, doing experiments on kids, not that far out of the realm of possibility for the government. If 
because some legends say this Dr. Crow guy worked for the government. Now, basically, Crow's experiments uh, led to the creation of monstrous, mutilated beings with large, hairless heads and deformed bodies. In other tales, some of the orphans were already sufferers of hydrocephalus or waterhead syndrome. And once the twisted doctor injected even more fluid into their brains, their condition was made drastically worse. Now, the legend concludes... smart. The legend concludes that Crow eventually met his demise when the children turned on him before burning down the orphanage and fleeing into the surrounding forests. Again, smart idea. Now, today, it is rumored that the offspring of these original creatures, we'll call them, can be spotted along Wisner Road in Kirtland, close to where the orphanage is said to have once stood. Now, other residents suspect there may be a logical explanation to the myth. Um, How it all came about, one resident said, was that a doctor who lived there had some mongoloid children. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. We got to call them mongoloids. Um, (laughs) That's rude. Yeah, this is Nancy Gorman saying this, and she owns a horse stable along uh, Wisner Road. And she says people were just scared of these kids. They didn't know any better, so they kind of make up these legends. Now, according like the mongoloid kids, according to a local newspaper, ever since the orphanage burned down, residents of Kirtland have reported strange sightings of short, naked creatures with large heads roaming the woods. Now, in other tales, Doctor Crow was—he was a good guy. He was the guardian of these children, uh, which the government was doing experiments on. And then once crow, like crow kind of took them in under his wing to take care of him. And once he died, his house tragically burned down. The orphans had no one to care for them, nowhere to go. They take to the woods, um, take to the woods. <laughs> yeah. They just take to the woods to survive. Um, but all about so the woods he dies here. and then the house just mysteriously burns down or well, they right. like burnt it down with him in it or what? What goes on? Yeah, so may I mean think What's about the it? Legend? It's kids, unattained kids. Maybe they accidentally burned down the house. Mm. I don't know what the legend is. I don't know if that's even true. Um, but I don't even know if this guy's a real doctor. Just like with our Michigan legend, there are no records of any orphanage ever being in the area. Perfect. Now some claim again that this legend wiped from the records. Well, just hey, like hey, our boy hey, Bobbles are. Hear me out. Hear me out. Some claim that this legend has often been mixed up with tales of Gore Orphanage Road, as we just heard. And then we get, we zoom out and we get this whole kind of macro legend, so to speak. So you have these little weird, creepy events in each town that are kind of combining into this bigger legend. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Right. Uh, Now, furthermore, there are no records of a Dr. Crow. Uh, however you spell it, C-R-O-W-C-R-O-W-E-K-R-O-H-K-R-O-H-E, uh, ever living in Lake Lake County, Ohio, or Cuyahunga County, Ohio. Mm. Um, however, according to Bob Curran, the author of The World's Creepiest Places, was that, which is that book I was telling you guys about up top, in Gayunga County, Ohio, don't know if I'm saying that right. It's about 25 minutes uh, south of Kirtland. Near the end of World War II, there lived a Dr. Crow. Uh, I guess Crow, K-R-O-H, uh, who this guy was influenced by 
Johan Gregor Mendel. You remember this guy from um, high school biology? He's the pea plant guy that started cross pollinating those pea plants and like um, making different breeds. I guess. Okay. Yeah, I do remember. Okay. That. Now this this Doctor Crow was influenced. This guy took Mendel's research a step further. He starts trying to genetically alter children. He's cross-pollinating kids. <laughs> yeah, by injecting <laughs> them with various substances, which how the fuck is that going to work? <laughs> is this a fucking Nazi internment camp? That's what I was thinking as well. Now, one experiment, he tried to increase the size of their heads in order to increase intelligence. So this is literally like that fucking Steve Martin movie, The Man with Two Brains. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> now, now, obviously, this failed. And so the good doctor rounded them all up and let them loose around these different roads in Kirtland. <laughs> so, Sounds like a good place. <laughs> roads again. There you go. So, drop them off next to a road, too. Yeah. Now, uh, now, others point to a strange amount of child graves around King's Memorial Road as possible victims of this maniac. Um, but a I, strange amount. <laughs> yeah, Wouldn't any amount of child's graves be a well, strange? No, I mean, you go into any cemetery, you're probably going <laughs> to yeah, see a some cemetery. Child. Yeah, so they're saying uh, there's a cemetery on King's oh, Memorial Road, okay, not okay. just like there's randomly just lined up child's right in front of this guy's Found house. Found a bunch of kids' bones <laughs> by in this guy's backyard. Oh, my God. That's what I thought no, you no, meant. No, no, no. I think it's like you go into the cemetery and they're like looking around. Uh, like, usually when we do this investigation, there's only a couple child's graves. Yeah, they're probably like, dude, why is there like 90 child graves here? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, that's fucking weird, dude. Um, but, I, okay, that's also oh, fucking weird. I was also looking up. Now, this guy says in the book, World's Creepiest Places, like he found this from a newspaper and shit. But I was looking for all of this. And it's like end of World War II. If a guy was doing that, you think you'd hear about it. Unless, like we said, maybe this was some government thing. And they just fucking like drive around like just throwing these kids out of the car into the woods, you know, they're like, not working. working. (laughs) So there is the Ohio legend as it stands. So campfire tale or true story, fact, fiction, folklore. That is the mystery of the melon heads. Now, of course, nobody has been able to prove that melon heads are real. And there is zero documentation to support most of these stories and excluding eyewitness accounts no evidence has ever surfaced to support these uh many of these claims no picks yeah now what are we thinking what here what are we thinking here about the ohio legend or i guess just overall before we get into some uh origins honestly i this dr crow guy i mean look like you said a little while ago mk ultra we do have record you know the things that are declassified proving that the government has done tests on you know uh in immoral tests testing them on people oh, yeah. so syphilis tests all that shit tuskegee shit right right so i mean it's not out of the realm of possibility but it's just kind of like i'm seeing a trend where it's you know these kids with bulbous heads that are being injected and then they, and then they get released for some reason into the woods next to a street on the outskirts of a town. Like it just well, that's sounds, you got to do it, you know? 
Well, that's the legend. Dude. Can't let him go yeah, in mean, the middle of the town. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you like do it in the woods. <laughs> by all the, the woods, scares. man. You, you can't let him out anywhere else. Just the woods next to a road. But again, if you like, if you think about it, that is ripe for a legend to build. Because obviously, like Rob said, they're not going to be in the city. You don't hear urban legends <laughs> about like there's all these crazy creatures in the city. Because obviously, anybody would be able to be like, no, this is not true. But the woods, nobody fucking knows what's going on in there. That's true. But also, kids are scared of the woods. Yeah, there's also no credible. Like you said a second ago, there 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 aren't any credible records of this guy even existing. Right. You know, there there are records of the these institutions having existed, you know. Um but yeah, I guess like for me, I'm not saying it's completely like I think it's horseshit, but I do think <laughs> it's I, I do kind of think it is urban legend. You're not sure. saying that or you do think it is? I'm going to be honest. I I think it's horseshit, actually. Kind of <laughs> yeah. more so. More so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like we said, playground folklore. This is like, this is just like high school kids telling fucking stories to scare each other. I feel like. Speaking you of know? Ohio, you guys ever hear right. of the uh, kid from Akron? LeBron James? <laughs> yeah. What? What, are we, what are we saying? He's a melonhead? He's a legend, dude. Okay. Ohio legend. <laughs> Ohio legend. Yeah. Um, Tall tale. All right, now, now, this is where things do take a turn to the more, like, possible... Uh, let's bring it back down to reality, right? <laughs> We've been talking about these crazy tales. Well, I mean, Hospitals the, just letting kids go. That but, last one did se- seem semi-credible, though. Okay, but do you think it's, like I said, where maybe the Ohio legend just had more to build on, and they have these weird isolated incidents that they can kind of combine into this more concrete story yeah that that's definitely true it just seems like at least in this case there's actually like documentation that this guy was there in that time period they found children's graves okay i mean yeah all right so Um, yeah that 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 like at least adds up so it makes sense like okay this fucking sick doctor was actually and again that could just be like a doc a creepy doctor who maybe did one or two fucked up experiments and then it kind of evolves into this whole legend of like yeah yeah they just base it off of that right okay or now, t- or tie in the legend that they heard with like oh well this guy this guy was probably definitely fucking around with some melon heads <laughs> okay now, all right, as I said, let's bring it back down to reality, some possible origins. So first up, I was finding uh, Mongoloid Village. You guys ever heard of this? No. <laughs> right, this I is cannot like, say I, guess, I have. This is just, I guess, like a classic tale. So stories about deformed country people who kind of keep to themselves go back centuries in Europe. Uh, you know, apparently there was an inbred family of melon heads known as Weebleheads. Said to live outside Risbury, England, around 1900. Um, now, this group was mostly reclusive and just kind of kept to themselves. Wouldn't you be if you were a melonhead? Yeah, not real, especially in the 1900s. Um, not really, I guess, hostile. Um, but there was another large family of melonheads, supposedly once living in Bavaria, Germany, in the mid 1800s. Making chocolate. Uh, I don't, I don't know now. Ooh. Now, many people accuse this family of several murders in the area. 
And although nothing was ever proven, the family did seem to take a more hostile tone with outsiders, quote unquote. Now, in other rumors uh, from these times, some were said to snatch up small children or vulnerable travelers who wandered into their woods. And these melonheads also had a deep disdain for those perceived as normal. So this is like I was this is pretty much exactly like that X-Files episode I was talking about home with the inbred family, you know. OK. Um, so there's those two legends. Now, there's also this uh, I was finding and this was a listener request, um, which like this is a little bit out of our wheelhouse, but I guess we can get into it here because it kind of ties in. Um, and I can't for the life of me find who requested this episode, but um, we're talking about the legend here. So shout out to that listener. This is the tale the story of Sawny Bean. Uh, now, this is a similar tale of like, you know, mongoloids keeping to themselves. Uh, now, this doesn't have the melon head aspect, but it comes from early 16th century um, when Sawny Bean, the head of a 45 member clan in Scotland, allegedly killed cannibal killed and cannibalized over a thousand victims. Jesus Christ. I've heard of this one. This one's wild. They like lived oh, in yeah. a cave or something. We're about oh, to get yeah. into it. Hell of a story. So uh, Bean and his wife, Agnes Douglas, uh, basically removed. They, they married and basically removed themselves from society. Uh, went to live in a sea cave, which became known as Bean Cave on the Ayrshire Coast last season. Um, is that how you say that? Yeah. Uh, Ayrshire. Now, um, now, to support his wife, Bean began to ambush and rob travelers on the lonely, narrow roads that connected the villages. Now, in order to prevent his crimes from being reported to the authorities, Bean would murder his victims... Bean. Yeah. And to uh, avoid unnecessary trips back into society for provisions, they took to cannibalism as well. Now, Bean and Douglas had eight sons, six daughters, 18 grandsons, and 14 granddaughters, many of whom were the product of incest. Now, together, the family would rob, murder, and eat their victims. Uh, their remains were often pickled in the cave. Jesus and Jesus. lots of missing people uh, grew by the day, and occasionally limbs would wash ashore. Um, but the beans went undetected as they were hidden in this cave from society. And I guess this cave would, like, the entrance would hide when the tide would rise. Um, so they were able to just kind of, it was a very well hidden cave. We'll say with, with fucking miles of, uh, of tunnels and caves for them to have this fucking fucked up, like Jeepers Creepers hideout. Um, now one night they attacked a husband and wife immediately murdering the wife. Uh, but the man managed to hold them off long enough and was saved by a group of other travelers who were further back down the road. The beans were chased off and their existence became known. Now, meanwhile, the husband made his way to Glasgow, where he he pleaded for the help of King James the Fifth. Or is sixth. that sixth? Six. Yeah, King, sixth. King James the Sixth to do something about the Bean Clan. Now, the king is said to have personally led a mob of four hundred men. The king's bloodhounds led the charge to Bean Cave where they were met with unfathomable scenes of carnage, severed limbs, hanging bodies, and piles and piles of stolen loot. 
Now they were led. Uh, so they capture the beans. They lead them in chains to old Toolbooth Jail in Edinburgh. No trial or judicial process took place. They were executed. The men had their genitals, hands, and feet cut off and were let to bleed out. Classic. And the women were burned alive at the stake. Now, that's quite the tale, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can see, but you can also see like little bits and pieces of like the road aspect, like the creepy road. You've got these fucking crazy inbred freaks that are like eating people. You kind of see how this develops uh, and you see bits of body parts. Yeah. And this is 16th century and you see how these bits and pieces are kind of in the Melonhead legends, you know? Now, some historians contend that the Sawney Bean story is just that a story Uh, because, again, records are scant that prove any of this. Um, And perhaps a lot of people think this was simply an English propaganda tool. Uh, The story's purpose was to sell books and the books it sold were published not in Scotland, but in England at a time where there was widespread prejudice against the Scottish. Uh, So Brits often portrayed the Scottish as sinister barbarians in the late 17th and early 18th centuries because the Scots were trying to reinstate one of their own on the British throne. It's like a whole fucking bitter feud thing. And in an effort to disenfranchise their cause, these stories were passed along. And also the name Sawney is actually a term used to describe a cartoonish Scottish character. So this is like having a fucking Irish guy named like Patty O'Shanahan. It's just like super stereotypical, you know? Um, and also, um, this is basically what inspired Wes Craven to write The Hills Have Eyes. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, but I mean, thoughts on this tale? And I guess you see where I how this ties in, I guess? I don't know. What are we thinking here? I think this is called slander against the people of Scotland. <laughs> I mean, that's what uh, that's what right. a lot of historians say. Uh, but again, this is like this is similar to the Melonheads in that there's no real like evidence. Yeah, it's just something that was passed down. I mean, like like you said at the end, the the Brits made the Scottish out to look like barbarians, and you know. So it's hard to say. I mean, you you said scant records, so there's records of some stuff, or yeah, but I think it's, it's it's like maybe there was a guy named Sonny Bean who lived in a cave, but then anything <laughs> other than that is like uh, like if the king King James the sixth led four hundred man mob to go kill this guy, there would definitely be records of that, and there's no records of that. Yeah, so that that's a little sus for sure. Shit like that. Um, he and, didn't want it on the record, dude. Yeah, and, and I didn't do like a yeah. full deep dive. This was just a little side story, but uh, I don't know. I just figured I'd throw it in there since um, it was a listener request many moons ago. Also, well, it's in the 16th century, so how much stuff are they really writing down, you know? Well, I think they kept fairly good records, Rob. I think you'd be surprised. Haven't you ever watched Game of Thrones? <laughs> it's all documented. <laughs> Those fucking <laughs> libraries, dude. Historically accurate. Yeah. Um, now, so again, now this is interesting, Rob. You say this is prejudice um, against the people of Scotland. 
Now, is there anybody in these towns, Ohio, Michigan, Connecticut, maybe that people would be prejudiced against? Hmm. How how could this Melonhead legend maybe develop in the U.S., right? What are we thinking? Prejudice against Melonheads? Yeah. So check this out. Uh, this is actually very interesting. I went down a hell of a rabbit hole on this. Um, so according to one theory... Um, the term melonhead may stem from melungeon. Now, this is melungeon is I believe I'm pretty sure it's a derogatory term, um, but it's a term uh, used for a specific mixed race people of Appalachia, sometimes referred to as the lost tribe of Appalachia. Now, um, these people, so it's most common believe that they have an ancestry of European outcasts, freed slaves, and Native Americans. So you combine all those to the descendants known as Melungeon, and they're pretty much like the damned of early American society. Um, you know, they were uh, people were probably horribly racist to them. Um, so they decided to stay to themselves. And pretty much keep away from the mainstream. Now, nobody really agree, like anthropologists, um, historians, like nobody really agrees on what exactly this lost tribe is. Um, you know, there's researchers out there claiming that the Melungeon are Portuguese, Turkish, Moorish descent. Others say they're Arabic or Sephardic Jewish. Uh, and but most of them seem to agree that they're American Indian and sub-Saharan African descent. So it's like back in early, early America before slavery was super widespread. It was like, you know, free black people intermarry with American Indians and you get this like new mixed race of people who became the Melungeon. Um. And people back then probably did, weren't sure what they were, so they just threw exactly. all these other titles. They, well, on they them. throw this racist term. I'm pretty sure Melungeon is like basically a, a slander. Um, but that being said, it is possible, and I'm not an anthropologist, but at one point, um, perhaps there was this group of people living quietly and independently in the backwoods of. So let's say they move further out of the South. They're in the backwoods of Connecticut, Ohio, or Michigan. They've got characteristics similar to the Melungeon and somehow get branded as such. Now, over time, that sort of gets bastardized down to Melonhead. And since people tend to fear what they don't know or understand, these stories of the boogeyman, uh, stories of them being inbred mountain freaks, hillbillies, are all kind of attributed to them and you get these fucking myths. I mean, even like if we just play off of the Melungeon theory, I mean, I do think the name is interesting with Melonhead tie-in. Um, you can even probably reduce it further down into just like backwoods rural populations. I mean, most of these Melonhead stories and legends start surfacing after like the 70s, 60s. I mean, think about after World War II, um, this is a time when people are moving away from cities in droves. You really saw like the birth of the suburbs. So you throw in people from cities moving to the suburbs, mix that in with prejudice, fear of isolated rural populations, 
and that's ripe for some myths to develop, you know? Now, what are we thinking there? If we're getting into like Melungeon or just like rural population, what do, what do we got? I think that's a lot more credible. I mean, because obviously we do know that there are people that were mixed race, like you said, at the time. Um, they were looked, you know, kind of outcasts of society. In reality, they were probably just normal people. You know, they just lived right. it in a rural area, keeping to themselves. But they kind of got it, it eventually turned into a scary story that got passed down, and that Man, definitely sounds heads like living over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also that is like you say it in that accent. It's like imagine being the outcast of the outcast. Like hillbillies are already outcasts in American society. So then you're living like kind of side by side with these hillbillies and they see you as fucking it's got them melon head up there. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like damn kids running around the woods. Got them melon head. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, dude. you think outcasts about that. Of outcasts. Uh, so, yeah, it, it does kind of make sense. And then other people are probably like, what the fuck are these? They're, or they're like melanin. And they're like, what, what the fuck is he saying? Melon head. yeah exactly you can't even tell but you know what that also (laughs) reminds me of and then i want to get to rob's take on that Uh, but um for that that youtube channel soft white underbelly have you guys ever seen the uh like it's like a family it's like an inbred family in like west virginia or something the the whitakers the whitaker family and the dude goes over and like there, I mean, he interviews them. Like, he has like multiple interviews with them and stuff, and they're just like fun-loving, like you know, normal people. Their IQ levels obviously like lessened because of the inbre- inbreeding. So they're like Forrest Gump, pretty much. Although like, I don't think Forrest Gump was inbred, but no, he wasn't a, inbred. He was just slightly special, special, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, Rob. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, so that is a possible fucking theory. And I and I was going down the fucking rabbit hole on the Melungeon stuff. Um, is this your theory? Uh, so yeah, but tying into the melon heads, I would. I mean, so, like I found this some places. Some people think just Melungeon melon head, like the bastardization of the term. Um, but I mean, fully like. I feel like it could be fully from just these people and people being fucking dickheads, you know? And idiots, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like people don't necessarily, they don't understand or they don't appreciate what they don't understand. They'll like, you know. And they're also dickhead racists back then. Right, exactly. It was the still product are. of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fortunately. That's, what I'm saying. That's an issue we're still dealing with to this day. So back then, imagine it being fucking insanely heightened. Um no doubt. Now let's get let's get on to another theory. And 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 keep these theories in mind because I feel like they all kind of work together now. Now as we said, hydrocephalus. You know, this is an increased accumulation of cerebrospinal fluid uh within the ventricles of the brain and this condition may happen to infants, children, even adults and causes various types of deformities of the head and face. Now, obviously, today, this would be recognized for what it is. But in days past, anyone who had a child 
or family member that was deformed in any way was seen as like a cause uh, for family shame, you know, and they were oftentimes just hidden away and kind of kept to themselves. Now, boom, you mix that with the sort of suburb explosion. You got some fucking hermit family living on the block with a melon head and you got another tall tale, right? (laughs) Living on the block. With the well, I mean, I mean, I'm block. not, I'm not trying to be so crass here, but think about kids, dude. Kids are fucked up, and you got a hydrocephalus kid living on the block that maybe some of the other kids only see come out. Sometimes they start calling him a fucking melon head. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, um, another story. This is actually. Uh, what were you, were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, like, you know, then it can turn into oh. You know, don't don't walk past their place at midnight because that's right, when they right. chop up little you know little boys. <laughs> so they eat people and fucking yeah. Then it turns into this whole like you know lie, yeah, bastardization of their reputation. Yeah. Now, now one story I was reading from uh, Northeast Ohio was about these kids who actually had a buddy with hydrocephalus. And they would basically go to like the classic little makeout spot in the woods and they would have the kid with hydrocephalus pop up in the windows and scare the fuck out of the older kids. Oh, that's terrifying. Now that's fine. <laughs> that's actually, I like this story because that's like a Shyamalan twist. Usually the melon head is the one getting bullied and teased. And this guy's actually just jacking around with his buddies. I like that. That's a fucking good story, dude. That's a good prank. That's fucking classic kids fucking around. And may and this guy says maybe the melon head kind of developed from there. The melon head. The melon head. <laughs> you know, out of yeah, Ohio. dude. Shout out to that melon head for real. Just a kid from Akron, you know. Yeah. Now now playing off of the hydrocephalus theory, so it's so it's you know. People don't know. People are calling them fucking melon heads. They're joking them. They're making fun of them or they're just treating them badly back in the up. day. Now, that got me thinking about the mentally ill and our treatment of the mentally ill and a history of that. Mentally ill from Amityville? Yes. Now, this is where I actually went down a hell of a rabbit hole looking up just, you know, the history of mental asylums, mentally ill patients here in America and. I think we've decided we got to do a whole episode on this. Uh, Definitely. Uh, Because it's like we were saying, you know, every town has an abandoned mental asylum. Am I right? Pretty much. I mean, look at two of these. Every town, but but, a lot of them. Look at two of these legends. We got Connecticut with the insane asylum. We got Felt Mansion um, with the Junction insane asylum, although that was a myth. But still. I mean, you look at a lot of these towns and there are these, I mean, even in Stanton where our grandparents are, there's on the fucking edge of the town, giant Victorian abandoned children's insane asylum. No report of melanides running around. (laughs) Yeah. Now, now that got me thinking, you know, why are there so many of these things abandoned? And I start, I start thinking looking at these tales from Ohio, Michigan, Connecticut, and I start thinking, all right, let me check out where a lot of these asylums even are. And I find some pretty interesting history. So 
Many state hospitals in the United States were built in the 1850s and 1860s. Now, think about it. That's fucking pre-Civil War. Um, now, they were built on this Kirkbride plan, uh, which is an architectural style meant to have a curative effect. So they're these big, sprawling, you know, spread out Victorian buildings that were, were able to get large amounts of light in every room. And this came from the ideas of Thomas Kirkbride and his theories regarding the healing of the mentally ill, which is the environment and the exposure to natural light and air circulation were crucial, which obviously that's not even like that bad of an idea, right? No, I mean, natural light, sunlight makes people feel better. So that makes sense. Yeah. Now, take a look at this map I found, and I'll post this on the Instagram. So you look at the highest concentrations of these Kirkbride plan hospitals, and this is just the Kirkbride plan ones. Not even like there's tons of other mental asylums that were built in different styles, um, but the highest concentrations of these Kirkbride plan hospitals are in the Northeast and Midwestern states. I mean, look at that map. Looks like chicken That's crazy. And you look at the, uh, um, you know, the Northeast is just littered with these things. And I mean, it's no secret. Just watch the documentary Titicut Follies. Have you guys ever seen that? Have not. Mm-hmm. Or the Geraldo Rivera segment on Willowbrook Institution. And you can see like conditions in these places. And I mean, this was 69 and I think Titicut Follies was 67. It's just rooms and rooms of like naked patients just fucking like laughing and shaking and fucking shitting all over the place. It's 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 insanely horrible. Like you can see it in these documentaries. And imagine even earlier than that in the fucking 1800s what these places were like. Um, and, you know, maybe they were they started off a bit better. But over the years, as funding lacked, they just kind of fell into a disrepair like we see in the 60s. Um And I mean, we'll get into more of this in its own episode because, as we said, like stories of the treatments are fucking crazy. That's going to be a crazy episode, man. (laughs) Yeah. But, (laughs) you know, I do think it's interesting that a lot of these tales are around where there's a fucking high concentration of these abandoned asylums. I mean, just imagine the stories and rumors coming out of those asylums at the time. You kind of fucking mix that in. I'm sure... Each town where one of these asylums in has fucking crazy tales. Oh, yeah. That makes total sense. So that's another theory. Um, Or, you know, perhaps, as I think Rob was saying earlier, similar to the Kelpie in Ireland or children's fairy tales like Hansel and Gretel and Little Red Riding Hood, the Melonheads might have simply been a tale told to keep curious children from wandering into the woods alone. Um, so, I mean, what do we got? What are we thinking on overall theories here? Folklore, uh, mental institutions. What do we got? Uh, I mean, I think overall, I would say it's probably just, like we said further back in the episode, just a conglomeration of just different folklore and like urban legends from the area. And then that kind of just spread around to different areas, whether it's Michigan, Ohio, Connecticut. I feel, I feel like it's nothing more than a urban legend, though. 
Okay. And does either of the legends, like, does one hold more weight than the other? Or, like, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I mean, I would say probably the creepiest one is the the doctor that actually existed and, like, finding that there was, like, a high concentration of children's graves. So, you know, that he probably was actually, like, fucking around doing experimentations and stuff. And again, take that with a grain of salt because that was from a suspect book, but still a book nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, that to me says more than a blog post. <laughs> yeah. Or like a like word of mouth yeah. or like someone saying they saw something but no proof, you know? Okay. All right. Yeah, I I do like kind of how you piece it together, Ryan, with uh, you know, Melungeon and kind of the outcast mixed breed people, you know, the the reality of the time and, and racism and the challenges with that. And then also, you know, the mental hospitals that were primarily focused in the Northeast and Midwest where, you know, Ohio, Connecticut, all these places, you know, kind of started speaking of the melon heads. And also, like, I'm sure there were families that were deformed that lived in the country in the 1800s, you know, that people knew about and right. they just stories just kind of formed out of like the ashes of all those different components. And, you know, then they started talking about roads and I don't know that that's kind of where my, I'm, I'm tracking with what you were with the, how you put it together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I didn't even like bother doing our patented uh, flat mo- flat Earth to uh, MK Ultra rating scale on this one because it <laughs> is like this one to me seems to be purely folklore. You know, it's like we made it up. Yeah. Exactly. It's like fact or fiction. Uh, our, our writers made it up. I think kids just made this up over time. Like. It's like we said, every town, and especially we look at the Northeast with mental asylums, you have creepy stories. You have creepy tales. Like, basically, you got some old-fashioned prejudice mixed with some classic lack of knowledge, and you get an exaggeration that we always see. You got the Melungeon, our history of mental hospitals, treatment of the mentally ill, Probably some type of crazy small town murder or scandal like we saw with the orphanage or with the the school burning down. You roll that all up into some playground folklore and you've got yourself the melon heads. That's it. Um, I mean, there you fucking have it, guys. Melon heads. uh, That's what we know. That's what we got. I mean, if I I was asking around for people out of Ohio and... um, Michigan. I couldn't find anybody who was familiar, but like I said, there's a ton of eyewitness quote unquote stories on the internet. And there's a bunch of like random YouTube videos, like Melonhead caught on camera, but it's just like those fucking <laughs> ghost shows that are like, or you don't actually you ever see anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just it like circles, the woods. And it's yeah. a ghost smudge. And I mean, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's classic being scared. Like, Hey, we're going to like this story is everything you want. It's got an old abandoned building with some creepy fucking history. Something could be lurking out in the woods, some small creature. How many fucking creatures are out in the woods that could be mistaken for a melon head? You could see a, you could hear a squirrel rustling through the leaves and claim it's a melon head, you know? And then you got the old creepy road, which is like 
probably my favorite aspect from this myth because Dracula Drive. Yeah, dude. We used to love going down old creepy roads, turn our headlights off, you know. Oh, Get man. real fucking spooked. Elbow Road when it's raining. Yeah, put the remember we put the ventriloquist dummy in your car. <laughs> um Oh, uh, was that that was my after car. we watched Dead Silent. Yeah. Dude, yeah. classic like this is classic kids being kids stuff. Too bad we weren't friends with any melon heads. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, now, on this one, I want to cite paranormalscholar.com, um, melon heads, the malicious bulbous headed monsters of North American folklore by Laura Roten. Uh, the damnedct.com for the melon heads, written by Ray Bendisi. Uh, folklore.usc.edu. Uh, New England Historical Society.com, The Melonheads of Connecticut, and World's Creepiest Places by Bob Curran. Um, so there you have it, guys. That is our episode on The Melonheads. Um, now, I do want to shout out uh, shout out to the listener requests. We've, I know we've gotten a few recently, and I promise you we will get to them. Uh, we have a few more of our, our planned episodes uh, to start the year off. And then I've got nothing but listener requests on the schedule. I mean, we're going back years of listener requests here that we're going to start getting out um, and keep them coming too. I mean, we appreciate looking into this stuff. Um, I usually have a good time looking into the listener requested episodes. Um, and there you have it, guys, on that. As always, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, feel free to check us out podcast from outer space.com where you can grab some merch uh shoot us a listener request if you got one say what's up tell us what you liked maybe you seen a melon head let us know and uh also feel free to reach out on instagram podcast from outer space that's all i got awesome yeah and thanks uh loyal legion for all the listens um anyone up in connecticut ohio you got you got a you got a phone on your camera. Use that. If you get a melon head, send it our way. Hey, don't forget about Michigan. Oh, Michigan, yes, Lake Erie, Sacatal. <laughs> but yeah, all right, awesome. Um, thanks for the listens, guys. We'll talk to you guys soon.